Hi, this is Dr. Jose Salivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And one of the benefits of the podcast has been the opportunity to connect and reconnect with friends. And so today, today I have a very, I have on a very special guest. Um, I met, I met this person back in, wow, 1999, I think is when we met. And, um, and fortunately, we've, we've managed to stay somewhat in touch, I think. Um, he's doing amazing things and has a phenomenal story, most of which I don't know. <laughs> I know the early, the early part of the story, I think, I think up until about the year 2001, 2002. And so I'm eager to, to, to share this space with him and for him to share his story with us. So, Alvaro, why don't you introduce yourself to our guests and our, I'm sorry, to our listeners. <laughs> Hey, Jay. Um, Yes, uh, my name is Alvaro Arce, and I'm um, I'm a lawyer um, on the digital music team um, at Meta, formerly known as Facebook. Um, And I've been doing digital music licensing for about, um, I guess, 10 years now. and prior to that, I, I was doing general corporate law um, work in New York City. Um, and yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Alvaro, thank you. Um, Alvaro, I, have, I generally have one question for all of my guests. All of my interviews start off with the same question. Is if you had to walk us back and point to a moment in your life when you could say, my educational journey really started here, started at this point. Where would that be for you? Wow. Um, I think for me, my educational journey started really with my parents. Um, I think it started when I, you know, my earliest memories are of my parents, like, you know, sort of going to work and and coming home from work pretty tired. They had, you know, sort of blue collar jobs. My mom um, was mostly a stay at home mom and she, the kids, uh, mostly out of trouble. Um, And my dad um, juggled a couple of jobs to make ends meet. And I think the message I got at an early age from them was that I should study and I should stay in school um, because they don't want me to have to work as hard as they were working. Um, I think it's probably like a really common like immigrant trope. Um, I mean, my, my parents are um, immigrants from from Mexico and my, my dad's from Ensenada. My mom's from um, a little town outside of Guadalajara called Zapotlanejo. Um, and uh, I was born and raised in San Diego, California. And so, you know, I, I knew of the challenges that they dealt with in their lives based on like what they would tell me. And um, just seeing my dad coming home, like just exhausted like you know that's how I learned what hard work was and the lesson I think I picked up at an early age I think I was like I mean like five years old I don't know like these are some of my earliest memories was of my parents saying you know just stay in school like get educated get an education um because we don't want you to 
have to work as hard as we're working. And so I think that just sort of was a, an unconscious, probably, you know, started as a conscious motivation, but I think over time it's, it's really just been this constant subliminal driver. Um, in fact, I was just talking to somebody about this last night. Um, and I think it just, it's like nonstop, like always hustling, always trying to like succeed and, you know, do the next thing. So that's, I think probably the most honest answer to your question. I appreciate that. Now, Alvaro, let me ask you, um, cause you're right. I think it is, it's a common trope, especially among, you know, um, those of us that, that, that have immigrant parents, uh, or that come from working class backgrounds, right. Do, you know, stay in school, study so that you don't have to do this kind of work or, or so that you have choices. Right. And, but, for, but if our parents, you know, if that's the background that we're coming from, you know, right. A lot of, uh, folks, when they talk about this, their parents can only lead them so far. Stay in school, do well in school. You've come a long way from San Diego, California, where you're at now. After mom and dad are encouraging you and guiding you and telling you, stay in school, study, you know, who are some of the other people in your life or what were some of the other things that helped you sort of once mom and dad, once that knowledge kind of ran out? Yeah. Um, that's a really interesting way to characterize it because I, I, I yeah, I, I think um, in, you know, in high school, um, I had, um, I think maybe, I, I want, I, I, I call it like the, I call it luck. I, I think I had, I was lucky to have been taught by compassionate, like public school teachers, um, public school teachers who were, I think in earnest, like invested in trying to, um, get their students to succeed and to go on to college. Um, and I, and I, I'm sort of reluctant to say that I was lucky because I actually have a sort of separate side story. I'm going to go off on a tangent, Jay. Um, I hope you don't. Dr. No, Sachs, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Please go. Um, so when I was at Stanford, actually, I think I was a, when, when I was at Stanford, uh, I think this was the year after Whitman. Um, I was a junior and I think I was applying for a fellowship program in Sacramento um, to work um, at the California State, uh, 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 I guess, what, what is it, like the legislature. Um, and I think I like applied and was asked to come in for an interview. So I, I remember making my way out to Sacramento and then like, you know, going through the interview process with these um, staffers for, um, I forget, like, I think it was like various legislators, staffers who were like administering this fellowship program. And one of the questions they asked me was, it's interesting to hear about how, um, it's interesting to hear about my background, 
um, you have two younger brothers who all like have, you know, the same background, um, but your two younger brothers did not go to college. Like, why are you in college? Why are they not in college? Um, what's the difference? They asked me. And I think at the time I was just being like completely honest and just like unfiltered. And I said to them, it was completely luck. Like it was just luck. Like, and I, and I explained that by saying that I really had the privilege or like I, I, I was lucky to have had the right educators, the right people sort of guiding me along the way um, who intervened and who would like help to sort of tell me, like, make sure you study for the PSAT or whatever it's called now. Maybe I'm showing my age. Um and who would encourage me to take the SATs and to apply to certain schools. Like these are people who had a direct material impact on my life. And, um, and I, and I'm not certain that my brothers had the same kind of intervention or opportunity. They went to different schools. Um, and, and I don't know, for whatever reason, they, 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 you know, they, they didn't go to college. I did not get that fellowship. I didn't, I was not accepted. They, and I, and I think it's because of that answer that I gave, because I think for a lot of um, hardworking, like folks like you and me, the, the, the idea that success could somehow be up left up to chance is not a really like, popular narrative i don't think and i realize now in retrospect that like i probably didn't answer the question entirely correctly like i probably should have said i you know i i worked hard yes like i did work hard in school but you know regardless of how hard you work i think there is nonetheless some other like portion of success that is attributable to being at the right place at the right time and having the right kinds of influencers in your life um and to this day like i still keep in touch with those influencers from my high school days my my high school history teacher lynn frankenberg um i still keep in touch with her um if it wasn't for her i would not have been admitted to stanford i wasn't going to apply to stanford i i never even crossed my mind that like stanford was a potential option and she insisted um and well, I guess the rest is history. You know, I appreciate you characterizing and framing it like that because I think I think there's a lot of truth to it. I certainly agree. I think um, I, I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't have gotten into Stanford. I wouldn't have applied to Stanford without the influence of one teacher who pulled me out of class and said, did you apply? No, come with me. I'm going to put you in a closet and you're going to work on this application. <laughs> um, but if that person had not intervened, I would have never applied. If that person had not intervened, I think in a lot, in the lives of, a, of many of my friends, they would not have attended the schools that they attended. So I, I, I think I appreciate your answer and I, and I completely agree. Um, now, that being said, you have these people we write, we have these these wonderful people that intervene and get involved in our lives and, and see something in us that maybe we don't see in ourselves, right? Having this these people push you and encourage you 
you know, you've got your parents' hopes and dreams riding on you, right? At least they, they you know, they, they want you to do better, right? I think they all want us to do better, right? You must um, be calling us a script writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, but what were your aspirations? 17, 18-year-old Alvaro Arce, you know, about to embark on a, you know, Stanford University. What are your aspirations at that point? Um, gosh, that's really interesting. I think, um, when I was 17 or 18, um, I, you know, I didn't know up from down or left from right. Like the world was a lot smaller when I was 17 or 18. I think maybe you can identify, but I think coming from San Diego, you know, it was me and my family and the high school, like, um, you know, on, on a few, a few blocks away. And, and I think that was about it. Right. Like I, it, it, the idea of like traveling to other, you know, today I live in the United Kingdom. I live in London. I happen to be in New York, um, on, you know, for work and to, to see family, um, this week. But, um, I've been, you know, I, I love to travel for personal, you know, enjoyment and to see the world. And, um, I travel a, a bit for work, but, um, it would never have occurred to me when I was 17 or 18 that like, I would one day be living in the UK. Um, that was just beyond comprehension. Um, so I think at the time, like it's, a, I think I had this notion that I wanted to be that I wanted to work hard and be successful. Um, as you say, like all those like hopes and dreams of my parents were just like, uh, you know, on my shoulders. But um, but I, I had a vague idea that um, I had certain strengths. I thought, well, you know, I'm kind of good with math and computers. And so maybe I'll like do computer science. We'll see. And, and um but I also had this sort of social justice inclination or desire. And so um, I, I, I think um, I also thought, well, you know, a future in government might make some sense. And, and I, you know, that ties into the story about the application to that fellowship that didn't ultimately work out. I did get a different fellowship um, working for um, CHCI, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute in Washington, D.C. And I explored that for a few years. And, and that led to some great opportunities in, in, in D.C. after college. But um, but yeah, I think ultimately I made the decision that um, I, you know, just having gotten an undergraduate education was not going to be enough to get me where like I needed to be, I, I needed to spend sort of four years out of college to sort that out and make sense of things. My parents are not lawyers. My parents are not doctors. My parents are not, you know, white collar professionals. I didn't have a lot of, um, yeah, I guess, um, career counseling as a 16 or 17 year old. So I sort of, you know, through the intervention of like some mentors and teachers and people who looked down on me like in a with in a caring way and who were like trying to look out for me i should say i i think i just sort of organically picked up on what the options might be for me um and um i think ultimately like i did determine that law school made most sense for me um so after 
after a few years out of college, I think I spent four years out of college, I, I applied and went to UCLA Law and got my law degree. And um, that worked out really well. That's, I think, been, I, I really sort of found my my niche, I suppose. I knew from the beginning I couldn't be a doctor because the side of blood always like made me sick and queasy. So that like that just was not going to work. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I love all of that. But I, I especially love where you said, you know, when you got done with Stanford, it took you about four years. You needed four years to kind of find yourself and figure out right, your traje- trajectory and where, where you needed to be, what you needed to be doing. And, and so just a quick side note, when I started the podcast, I started the podcast because for the last 18 years, I've worked with first year students at the university. So I teach a class that helps them transition. And and what I found was students often come in incredibly anxious, feeling like they have to know what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And uh, in Texas, the, the school system now is such that students can take two years of community college free. So we have students that are coming in with associate's degrees, but then all of a sudden now, having taken two years of courses, are like, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. But a lot, they feel the pressure because, well, folks have invested in them and they've got two years of this stuff and they've got to identify early on. Um, And so, you know, I, I spend a lot of time reassuring my students and tell them, look, you're 18, 19, 20. And, and, and I share my story all the time. And I always tell them when I was graduating, I didn't know. You know, I, again, luck. I was in the right place a lot of times, knew the right people. Things fell into place for me. And I always try to encourage them to learn as much as they can, develop as many skills as they can so that they can do different types of things, right? And so I really appreciate your story because, because I, 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 at least with the students that I work with and the students that I see, they're coming in and, and with you know and, and and being told a narrative that well you've got to figure it out. You know, that that's the way you that'll ensure your success and and so, you know, I appreciate your story. I appreciate you sharing that and being honest about that. So yeah. thank you. Thanks, um Doctor Saldivar. I I appreciate that. I I I also don't want to suggest that like um yeah, that's I, I completely agree with that. Like, I, I don't think people should be um, doing, you know, school for the sake of doing school. Like, I, 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 I do think that it opens up a lot of opportunities for people. I think the skills that you pick up in school are generally applicable skills that you can apply in just about like any setting, whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or whether you're an engineer or whether you're, you know, a rain, uh, a forest manager or, um, you know, I I think they're life skills. And I also don't want to suggest that um, going to school is the only right path. Like my brothers didn't. Mm-hmm. But they are successful and like contented in their own like ways. And those are that's legitimate. Like I, I love them dearly and like they still drive me crazy sometimes. And I'm sure I drive them nuts. But like we've just made different choices. And I think those are all valid. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to leave this with your listeners thinking that like somehow like I'm, you know, 
that I think I'm better than my brothers. I certainly don't like yeah. that is not at all like the message, right? Like it, it's just that life takes us in different directions based on like the circumstances uh, that we each face. <laughs> um, it totally, and I totally agree. And so some of my guests, some of my guests, I uh, did not finish college and, 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 you know, I, I, I appreciate that they share their stories. They're doing well and, and have found success on their terms, right? And uh, are happy doing what they're doing. And so I, I just, I love, again, I, I think I wanted to provide different perspectives to the narratives around success and around college and not doing college and just, and being happy. <laughs> You know, and and so you know that's I think where a lot of this was coming from, and 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 like you said, you know, you didn't, your parents weren't doctors, your parents weren't lawyers, you know, my parents, my father was a you know auto body repairman, my mother, you know, worked in in medical supplies, um, so I didn't, I didn't, I I had a family doctor, but I didn't know any doc, like know any doctors and and e attorneys and things like that, and so you know the other thing was I I just. I have a lot of kids that want to get there and don't know the first thing about getting there. And so I also wanted them to see, you know, people of color that are doing this and yeah. who share their stories and, and just make it, you know, a little more palpable for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a, an amazing project. I, I, I think that's like something that is, um, I don't, I don't know if I want to say missing from like our communities, but like, I think it's an important contribution to like help give people perspective on the kinds of options that are available to them. Because again, right. Like, yeah. Like my dad, like worked at a, in maintenance at a hotel resort in San Diego for being almost the entirety of my youth. My, my mom was at home, like taking care of us brats. Um, and yeah, like just, I don't know what it means to be a lawyer. I don't, I didn't know what it meant to like, you know, negotiate a contract or like, you know, get in someone's face about like the terms <laughs> that they're negotiating. But I, amazingly, I have those skills somewhere deep down inside. <laughs> you did. Yes. Even at Whitman, you did. <laughs> you might recall. <laughs> so yeah, I, it, yeah, it's good that I think people, you know, it's good people are getting exposure and, and um, I think this is a great vehicle, great platform that you've started. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, you know, Alvaro, you, so your story, right, to the point that, that you didn't know what it meant to be an attorney, but you mentioned while you were in school, you had this, you know, definitely interested in social, social justice, interested in government. Um, getting into law school at that point was was government still you know what you were interested in or yeah that's an interesting out? question yeah that's a great great question um so when I was um, between I guess college and law school I spent four years in DC just trying to um, you know, sort of explore what the options might be. I, I I mentioned the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. I was very privileged to have been a part of that program. Um, and, you know, I did a one-year fellowship, which trans, then translated into um, becoming like a junior staffer in um, a, a committee on the, on the 
in the Democratic leadership in the Senate. Um, and that was just amazing. That was like a great experience. But I mean, like when you're a junior staffer, you're like, you're like junior, junior. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm like bringing people their newspaper sometimes and like, you know, doing some research and preparing memos and getting stuff for the senior staffers. But like, I remember one time I was asked to bring a Senator's handbag. I was like, okay, like it's going to be a long trajectory. Um, but, um, I think at some point I made the determination, like, like I needed to go and get more education to sort of like, um, try to fast forward my career aspirations, try to like change the world and, and, and make it better for, for people like my family. Um, and so then I started to think about like whether, um, I'd met some lawyers. There's a lot of lawyers in Capitol Hill in the Senate. And so I met a a lawyer in D.C. who had suggested that I might want to look into law school as a potential next step. And he sort of got me thinking, oh, I guess I could apply to law school. Like, maybe that's something that I could do. And so I started to consider it seriously. I took like an LSAT prep course. When I started in law school, I I think I was still oriented to to do like social justice stuff but i i was also you know feeling like i was starting a different chapter i was i think at that point a much better student than i was when i was at stanford by some miracle i got out of stanford with a with a degree <laughs> um but in in law school, I think I really hit my stride. I think maybe because when I was working on the Hill, I knew what it was to do like a nine to five kind of job. And, and I realized like, oh man, this sucks. Like school was amazing. <laughs> so I went, you know, I went to law school with that kind of thinking and um, I guess, again, with an open mind, I was just sort of trying to consider all of the potential like options and just looking at you know, thinking, you know, they tell you at the very beginning, like there's sort of two paths. You can either go into litigation or transactional work. I mean, like in theory, you know, there's also like a third path, which they don't really talk about all that much because it's a much more challenging path. But there is this sort of social justice, like... <laughs> um nonprofit pro bono path but um i think the the I, the vast majority of of law students i think go to do big law work or um or corporate law or or litigation i'm sure i'm getting that wrong but <laughs> at least it felt like at UCLA a lot of the folks were going in that direction um i guess let me just get to the point and answer your question i feel like i'm rambling um in property law class, we my first year, we were reading a case about um, copyright infringement. Um, the estate of the um, woman who had written um, Gone with the Wind was suing this black author that had written a parody of Gone with the Wind. She called her parody The Wind Done Gone, and it was... Um, I guess a parody of Gone with the Wind, but written from the perspective of the black characters in Gone with the Wind. Um, And in order to write a parody, you have to be able to sort of refer to the original material so that like people know like what you're paradising. Mm -hmm. 
And I was eating up this court case. I was just like reading it and like gobbling it up because I was like, this is so interesting. Like page after page of this court case where this judge is like analyzing the text of the parody and comparing it to the text of the original work. And like he's analyzing like, like, did she have to, did the second author have to copy so much? Because copyright infringement is like taking someone else's work and then like selling it or making making it available as your own. So like strictly speaking, like she had copied a whole bunch of the original, but in the law, the law expressly lets you copy for purposes of parody. Like it's 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 one of the permitted, um, um, <laughs> you know, like uh, carve outs, I guess, or. or um, defenses to copyright infringement. So it was just this really interesting case. And I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want to do. And it like, like, like a light bulb hit or lit up. Um, I'm mixing my metaphors. And I, I realized like, I want to do copyright work. And so, and I want to do intellectual property. And so that's, I think, when I first had a, an instinct that like, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted to use my law degree, but like in a creative way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after law school, I did the obligatory, like big law, corporate law work for a couple of years. Um, I, that was a very long winded answer, wasn't it? No, 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 no. That it, it was a very interesting story. And um, I, you know, that, what is it? I don't know how they characterize it. Right, that moment when you catch lightning in a bottle, or yeah. <laughs> right, you you know you that 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 case, like listen, like reading that case, studying that case, and boom, that's what I want to do. Yep. Right. Uh, um, and so, by the way, she she won her she won the the case the the wind done gone now available on Amazon. <laughs> whatever. I'm not, I actually have no relationship to this. I don't want your <laughs> listeners to think I'm like trying to sell something. No, that, I no skin in that game. They're going to run and do a search as soon as they're done listening. They might oh, stop geez. right now at this point. Oh, and go God, and no. I mean, yes, by all means, but like, I, you know, only if you want to. <laughs> so, so you've been doing this work now for how long? Hmm. I've been doing it since about 2012. So about, this is my... 10th year of doing digital music. Wow. I love it. Yeah. It's fun. You know, I ask a lot of my guests what's next, but I, I mean, it sounds like you're really enjoying your work. You've really grown into it. But I'm going to ask anyway, what's next? What's next? <laughs> um, the thing is that it's funny because I asked, you know, I, I've been doing digital music, but in different contexts. So, like, I went to work for a record label for a couple of years, three years, I guess. Um, and then after that, I went to go work for a small um, startup, um, which unfortunately didn't last very long. They they lost their funding and that they went under for... I think after like eight months or a year or something like that. Um, and then after that, I went to another startup. I think I, I went to SoundCloud for a, a, a little bit. Um, that, you know, SoundCloud is also like a bit of a startup. And so I, I was there for a short period of time. But then I went to go for a, a work at another law firm 
that specialized or specializes, I should say, specifically like in digital music licensing. And um, I assume this is like a, yeah, this is a PG, this is a PG podcast. I, I asked one of the senior lawyers who he's, he's been in the industry for like decades. He's signed a whole bunch of like artists. Um, So he's on the talent side of the, of the music business. I'm on the more sort of like music licensing tech side. Um, And there's a little bit of like, I guess, arrogance that, that comes with like being a talent lawyer, you know, you can sort of swagger into a room and, you negotiate with artists and their managers. And so you're, you're hot, you know, you're the, you're a hot commodity. Um, And they, I think, tend to think of us like licensing lawyers as like the geeks that are in the back, like (laughs) looking at these contracts or whatever. Um, And I was joking with one of them one day, you know, if, if digital streaming stops being a thing, like I'm, I'm screwed. Like, you know, that's the end of the road. Like I, I've got no other skills. Like I, I'm going to be a Starbucks barista. I think I said to him and then he said to me, of course, it's going to stop being a thing. Like, yes, it's going to stop being a thing. Like you, that's something that will happen. And I looked at him like crushed, like, oh my God, he just crushed my dreams. And then he said, um, it's going to stop being a thing, but then there's going to be a new thing. And then you pivot to that and you lean into it and you just grow and you keep moving and you keep hustling. Um, you know, he's been in this business for a long time. And I think from his perspective, first, you know, it was, it was um, records and then CD and then like Napster and then like MP3s and then now streaming. So from his perspective, like, of course it's gonna, there's gonna be something else. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, I love what I do. I love being able to like bring music to people and ha- like in, in some small little way, I'm like helping to get music out to people and like help them find artists and content they like and they love that's awesome man that is really awesome um you know i often tell my students that uh you know the it's it's exciting to know i'm I'm sure they don't feel this but (laughs) you know when you're 18 19 and and you're thinking about potential majors and and careers and things like that and i always tell them i said look there are going to be a whole bunch of jobs that don't exist yet and I said, that's exciting. I said, it's so exciting to just prepare and, and learn as much as you can for something that, that hasn't been conceived yet, but, you know, we're going to need it. And uh, they look at me like, like just scared, deer in headlights, please know, please know, how do I prepare for that? Um, but I appreciate your story, right? Because while there is also, there's always been a need for the work that you're doing, the industry changes. Right. And so, yeah, streaming is going to end and there will be something else and you will probably excel at that, too, and, and really lean into it. And um, and so I appreciate that story and I appreciate you talking about right that. Yeah, there will be a next thing that comes. I'm going to put microchips in your head now with music. <laughs> Shh, don't scare my <laughs> listener. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. I'm really kidding. <laughs> Oh <laughs> it's gonna this that clip's gonna end up on like some conspiracy <laughs> uh, 
now that you said that. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like All right. 5G. So, so, <laughs> so, Alvaro, you know, um, because I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, how? What last piece of advice do you want to give our listeners before you go? Um, gosh, so I, I think, um, how old are your listeners? Well, <laughs> so I was targeting. My advice changes depending on your age. <laughs> well, so I, my, I was targeting, you know, 18, like 18 to 24. Okay. But what I'm finding is that I have, I have a lot of listeners that are older that are yeah. kind of looking to, to, to switch careers. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you. <laughs> I guess if you're like in school or like, I don't know, in high school, and I guess my advice would be like, you know, I guess if, if you have any inkling that like you want to um, study and that you want to like do something with yourself. I, if you feel like school is, is the right choice for you, like, but you're not getting the kind of mentoring you need. Like, I think that's a really tough situation. I, and I really hope that you make an effort to like talk to p different people and just, you know, take the initiative to just talk to as many people as you can and, and express to them, like, I think I want to do X, but I'm not really sure how to go about doing X. Um, I guess it's different for people this today because they've got something called Google and they can just sort of <laughs> like research just about anything or YouTube, I guess. But um, I, I just, I, I, it, I think the thing for me that makes me the most like anxious is that there could be like super talented, amazing people out there that, that aren't getting the kind of like intervention or guidance that just a little bit can go a long way to help them like accomplish just amazing things. And it's not necessarily about like academic things and it could be all kinds of things, um, athletic things. Um, I'm, I'm not an athletic person as you know, Jay, but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I hope that, it takes a certain amount of curiosity and resilience. And I hope that your younger listeners will know that it's okay to ask questions and to just like reach out to people. Um, for your older listeners, um, I don't know, like don't take the money out of the 401k. I don't know. What, I, don't, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I had a meeting with my financial advisor this morning. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad I could help you there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was it. <laughs> how, how fortunate. <laughs> that was invested. Yeah. yeah. Retirement Alvaro. is on us. Yeah. Alvaro, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and okay. your story and your... Um, wisdom because there was a lot of wisdom, wisdom. what yeah absolutely you're being really generous but I was no just, no 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 i'm telling I, stories yeah. you've you've uh yeah i i appreciate everything i appreciate you and and so thank you so 
you know, for our, for like I said, I think this is, this is an amazing project. And if I can do anything to help in other ways, like, please, by all means, like I've always been a big advocate of yours. And I think mm-hmm. I've even given money. To when I, yeah. Campaign. When I ran for office. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not the, I'm not trying to hang that over your head or anything, but you, no, me, no, I'm no, kidding, I'm kidding. Um, no, where's, I, my, where's my beer? Um, no, but, next um, time in, I'm in the UK. Next yeah, yeah. time in the UK. There's, there's a pub around my place. Yeah. There, yeah. There we go. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm uh, honored to, to be here today. Thank you for having me. Alvaro, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So this concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, follow, like, rate, do all of that one those wonderful things. And uh, please share the podcast with others. We'll see you soon. Thank you and bye-bye.